Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Sebastian Selmayr discussing multi-platform, functional programming, and a few different topics. Hi, Sebastian. Welcome to the show. Hi, Hadi. Thanks for having me. Great for you to come on. I was actually reading your blog post recently uh, about a topic which few people have heard of, which is the famous Keep 87. Yeah. And your opinion about all of that, and I th- and it's something that uh, I think we can we can discuss a little sure, bit yeah. later on. But um, I w- also wanted to bring you on because you have been quite active in the multi-platform scene with Kotlin, right? I mean, I, I was talking to Lilia, who's uh, on the multi-platform team here at JetBrains. Yeah. And uh, she's uh, she was doing QA, and uh, she's like, yeah, you know, Sebastian is like reporting tons of things for us, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm quite like I'm heavily writing with Leah. I, it feels more like I'm like she's part of our team as well. So I'm I'm pretty active on the Kotlin Slack, always writing Leah, and um, we're discussing on like issues that we have, and we are like, oh, is this already reported? Is this already found out? And and then she gives me like information about yeah this could be this ticket and this could be that ticket and I'm also really proud because I get a lot of um, nice words about my about my issue reports because I put so much love in them I, yeah. I create like literally uh, screenshots a sample project and I even create a little video where I like oh yeah once you compile then the ID just like. Uh, gets crazy and thinks that all these types are away. And I'm also creating a little video that shows that like, if I clean, everything is okay. And then if I compile everything, like uh, gets crazy. And I'm, I'm right. Like I'm putting a lot of uh, love into this uh, bug report. So I, I guess like that's uh, a sign why, why Q and A people like it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I used to give a, a lot of feedback um, at, at some point also with JetBrains and I ended up working here, but anyway, <laughs> um, so give us some background. Uh, what do you do and why are you using uh, Kotlin multi-platform? Sure. Uh, so I am working at a, at a, smaller agency in Munich called QuickBot Studios. And we are especially proud of our second branch called QuickBot Medical, where we do like um, mobile medical uh, software. Um, and for one of our projects, we, we, we started using multi-platform because it, was, it is like an image processing library actually. And we of course had to develop this for iOS and for, for Android, this library, and we're still actively developing on it. And uh, of course it is like, we started with Android, like with the Kotlin version of it. And then later on started with the Swift version. And it just felt a lot of times that we just translate code because Swift and Kotlin are pretty similar in some ways. And for some, uh, from some obvious reason, we then thought like, yeah, let's let's try looking at at multi-platform. And I also already evaluated it a lot of times, and it was like I already l- wrote that blog post about our first evaluation. And so yeah, we then started using it a little bit, but ended up using it for a very different reason, which is a little bit cool. We wanted just to have like we we built everything. Uh, for Android only and uh, didn't keep in mind that we might want to also use that same code on the JVM. So we started to convert modules to support JVM only as well. And we figured that using the multi-platform Gradle Kotlin, Kotlin Gradle plugin that, that made stuff just much, much easier, we could just be able to convert. And now we're happy that our AD modules 
project uh, now supports like all of them are using this multi-platform Gradle plugin, and eight of them are can already be compiled towards iOS as well. And Did you yeah, say we eighty or eighteen? AT, it's like one library, which is 80 modules big. So it's a huge project of wow. us. And like, like I said, 11 of those modules can already be compiled towards iOS. And I think we have some, some interesting ways where we use multi-platform. For example, we share tests, which might be interesting. You share tests um, across multi-platform. Yeah, so, so basically what we, because we have uh, some issues with multi-platform, which we might talk about later, and such a huge project stuff, you 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 might think that stuff is not perfect already because no one already claimed that multi-platform is is non-experimental. If you build the first thing, it it prints is like, oh, Kotlin multi-platform is is experimental, and so yeah, there are a few issues, and we we would not like convert all of our modules and every implementation to multi-platform right now because it's a huge investment. But um, we could still, while while having two implementations, right? Like we have everything implemented in Kotlin, and also we have everything implemented in in Swift. We could still like have some test shit, which might be super clever, especially for like an image processing library where we have some edge case where we just try to figure out, oh, how does our image processing behave if we have like this and this edge case, and we could then just write this test in multi-platform. And then just test our implementations, our Swift and Kotlin implementation against this one shared test implementation, which will then result in like, yeah, it's really behaving the same way. And, and this is like, I think, a pretty cool way of getting started into a multi-platform since if really, if stuff doesn't work out, the, the, the only thing that's wrong, like, yeah, you have now an, a Kotlin implementation, but you can keep that because it's just Kotlin code. And the worst thing that can happen is, yeah, you have to, to write the same tests using Swift or another language for, for iOS again, which you would have done anyways without adopting this technology. So I think... So for people to understand correctly, what, what you're saying is that you would write a test to, sh to, test, different, to test kind of the same functionality, um, but using Swift on iOS and Kotlin on Android. So exactly, it's yeah. only that the test code would be Kotlin in this case. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Not, so, not testing of common code, um, which is obvious. I mean, you would probably test common code in Kotlin in Kotlin, but you're talking about yeah. platform specific starting with tests, just like many people would adopt Kotlin starting with tests. You're talking about adopting multi-platform starting with tests. Yeah. And I think there, are, there could be like, yeah, there, there could be like, for example, in our image processing, we like it is obvious that we want to test this with images, real images. So we have like a lot of real images that we take. But to get these edge cases correct, we just like have a module that generates images. And this is like um, implemented, for example, in Kotlin common code. And this generation of edge cases could then just be shared and used by both platforms to see whether or not they behave uh, the same way in all edge cases. And I think like, yeah, it's the same approach than like adopting Kotlin just for tests. It's now adopting multi-platform for tests because it's like less risky, you know? Yeah. And then what is the next step? So did you actually do this or did you start full-fledged in just adopting multi-platform? 
Oh no, we we started doing it just for tests. So um, obviously, for for to get all of our tests like implemented multi-platform, we had to convert some of our util modules, or we have like definition of colors that are very specific to the project, or we have a, a module that just defines how shapes on an image look. And those are really tailored towards the project when they are basically just Kotlin code. So converting them to multi-platform was really simple. And yeah. Was it a situation where by creating multi-platform tests, and I'll say multi-platform tests, quote unquote multi-platform, right? Yeah. By creating these tests, you were driving out what parts of the code should become multi-platform or not? Um, yeah, I, I, I think so, yeah, because the compiler force, if I just want to to check then whether or not what we found and use, for example, this this definition of uh, region of this image, then, of course, I needed to convert that module that defined the code. So, yeah, by writing the test or designing the test, it was clear for us what, what will be the first steps that we should convert towards multi-platform. So I guess, yeah, that's that's also like a nice side effect that you have, that this writing of tests gives you like a, a really nice roadmap of, oh, yeah, we have to convert that first and then we need to convert that module. And then right, because a lot of times, module. you know, we talk about multi-platform and it's very clear in presentations about how, yes, oh, you want to do multi-platform. Okay, so you're going to have your business logic, you're going to have your common logic, blah, 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 here and there, and then you're going to delegate down to different platforms for UI or whatever, right? Yeah. But we never really talk about, okay, how do I start? Like, if, if I have an existing project, where do I actually start to consider, right, this code could become multi-platform, could become common. Let me start extracting this out, right? It's, I mean, I guess when you look at your project, you know, it, it, there are many places where this could happen, but there's no real clear path or workflow um, that people could follow. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? You know, yeah, absolutely. You, you can end and up like procrastinating, saying, "Well, should I do this or that or this or that?" <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think like this writing test approach that gives you like a good idea where to start. Obviously, like we have some some really basic base modules. Like we have one module called Utils, which will be applied to every other project automatically as a dependency because we ended up needing it everywhere. So we just like. We wrote our own Gradle plugin anyways for our project, so we don't have to write uh, 80, 80 build.gradle.kts files and always have the same code there. So we have like a project-specific Gradle plugin, and we had like some base modules like that were applied all the time. So of course, we needed to convert that first, and we had like modules that we knew like they are really just some Kotlin, like they, we knew just that there is no JVM-specific or Android specific stuff inside. Like I said, this uh, definition of like how we we'll define a, um, a polygon or a circle or stuff like that, that was just like really basic Kotlin code. And we just knew, yeah, we can just apply our, our multi-platform plugin and then just change the source folder. And that's, that's actually it then. That was like the conversion. So for some modules, this was really, really easy. And diving more into this multi-platform plugin that you keep uh, talking about. Yeah. Uh, why? And, and how was this different from the multi-platform support that ships out of the box for Kotlin? <laughs> Oh, so um, like we have our 
project specific plugin and this will not do anything really fancy it will just like uh, apply this kotlin multi-platform plugin but it will also give us like all the default configuration for our project so for example right now if you if you use a multi-platform plugin with android you will get like three source folders one is called android main one is called android tests and one one is called android android tests and we saw that a lot of people in our team got like confused because previously what was called Android test was the where the tests that were running on like the device. And um, now those tests are running locally while the Android Android tests were the ones running on the device. And um, I'm pretty active on the issue tracker on discussions. So I, I'm pretty sure this is something that will change in the future. And um, thanks to you. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, I think that it might change something to like, yeah, Android device tests or Android host tests or Android local tests or whatever. Um, but our like our approach with our custom project specific Gradle plugin is just that it is like it is really simple actually to write Gradle plugins, and I'm I really am into Gradle as well. But what it will do is like it's just like a Gradle function is uh, Gradle plugin is nothing more than like a function that will have this apply function and gets the project. And then you can do whatever you like with the project. So I just apply this um, Kotlin multi-platform plugin. And then I, for example, apply also this Android library plugin. And what I will do then is just like configure everything by default. So it's it's like we have like 80 modules. We wouldn't want to configure everything in 80, like uh, 80, 80 files again. So it's, we just have one place that then configures everything and that's the whole magic. And then for example, we have like by default our Android device test source folder and Android local tests instead of Android tests versus Android Android tests, you know? Yeah, and to be clear for people that aren't uh, familiar with Gradle plugin, I mean, essentially you can sum it up in, instead of me repeating myself over and over again in each Gradle uh, file, repeating the same configuration, I can extract that into a plugin and then just apply that plugin, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. And we are really like into this kind of approach and we just write, use this build source folder that uh, Kotlin provides, uh, like uh, Gradle provides us. And we in that folder, we just write Kotlin code and then this whole like configuring our build, it, it just feels like coding with Kotlin with a really, really great library. So a lot of folks like really hate Gradle, I figured. And I, I think this is really unfair, to be honest. I think what people don't like is the Android Gradle plugin and all these basic Gradle APIs. I, I really think this team is amazingly good in providing good documentation and like really intuitive uh, functions that just do what what they what you think they do. And like the moment you get started with with Gradle is like. It, it is a, it's a whole new world that opens up. Yeah. And to be honest, like, I, I think that Gradle sometimes gets a bad wrapper. Did you get yeah, that? Absolutely. Did you get, yeah, absolutely. Did, no, did you get that? It, it gets a bad wrapper, <laughs> the Gradle wrapper? Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, especially like the, the wizard right now doesn't like, if you create a new Kotlin project multi-platform, there's like the wrapper missing. And I saw a few guys that started playing with the multi-platform and they was just like, oh, now I can't just, I can't build it because like the wrapper is missing. I, can't, I don't know how to create myself. So anyways, like what, what brought me to Colin was like actually this, this um, multi-platform DSL that like the, the Kotlin multi-platform Gradle DSL. And that like made me click. And the moment I started working with the Kotlin multi-platform DSL, I just figured like, 
oh, that's just Scotland code. And then I, I start like looking into this Gradle stuff and felt like this is really amazing, actually. Okay, so that's cool. So you start with tests, you start to do these, uh, drive your modules out to support multiple platforms. And I'm assuming right now when we're talking multi-platform, it's basically mobile targeting Android and iOS, right? You're not doing anything yeah. outside of that with native, no? Also, like we target like the JVM also like alongside with Android and we have some yeah. specifics that we then change for the JVM. But, but nothing like simple. desktop or anything like that. No, no. We, we have like what we also do and what I also think where you can get started with uh, Kotlin multi-platform Kotlin native is like internal tools. We have, for example, like a tool that um, like we have specific Git hooks and we have like specific rules on how a commit message should look like. And we have Git hooks that take full control over that and will format your message and will look whether or not they, they make sense. And they, they also link the current ticket you're working on and stuff like that. And on the Android project side, this is implemented also as a Gradle plugin that will just, the moment you open the project with IntelliJ or Android Studio, like you have the Git hooks installed. If you try to build, you will have it installed. So there's almost no no way around not having the Git hooks. And for macOS, we can just build like the same code and we get an executable for macOS, Linux, and Windows. And yeah, of course, we could have just built a, a char file that we invoked. But it's just much more fun to, to build it as a multi-platform and, and, and then have like this executable. And then we, we just think, oh yeah, this executes like much faster because we don't have the JVMs to start up. And so also like internal tools might be really interesting to, to get started with like a new technology, like multi-platform. You initially said that, you know, there are some issues with the whole multi-platform stuff, right? Yeah, I um, think so. So let's, uh, let's cover all the good issues and the bad issues we'll censor out. I'm joking. Uh, so <laughs> talk about issues. What are, the, what are the main issues that you found and, and how could other people that are listening to this try and avoid them? Yeah, um, so I, I would start with like the the one issue that initially was our deal breaker. And um, it was like the first time we evaluated um, Kotlin multi-platform, we just tried to like everyone else, we just tried to have um, like an architecture in mind where we have like a split in our app, in which we like say one part we call the backend of the app. It's like our, all our services and maybe a repository that we could share. And then we also would write the view models of our app uh, multi-platform. And we would just call this part the backend. And then the plan was to, to implement um, to implement like the views and the screen, the actual screens, like platform specific with uh, Swift and the UI view controller on, on iOS. And we would just use Kotlin and the, the Android platform to, to create the same screens on, on Android. And we tried that out. And, um, we, we had like our style written and we just had like a dummy written and then we we also had a, a small backend written and then we wanted to to use it um, and write our UI view controller and then we just looked at like um, at, at the code that we wrote and we consumed our view model and we just figured out oh wait all our generics are now lost and we we were like oh shit that's that's that might be like a huge problem for us because we are heavily relying on like generics we have like for example, everything is like in our view models model as a stream, for example. And so we have like a subject of string where you can say, like, yeah, this is the password that I'm currently entering. And to to from when using this code from from 
from iOS, uh, from Swift, that would just like be erased. It wouldn't say like, ah, oh, yeah, you can enter like it's a subject of string. It was just erased to like it's a subject and you can pass me anything. And if it's the wrong thing, then uh, it will just crash. And this was like a deal breaker for us since we like, yeah, we are uh, we are like guys that really like yeah, we are like folks that really like uh, writing Kotlin and Swift code like. For that specific reason, we like our type safety. So we, we thought, okay, let's try writing the same thing using like the UIB controller and implement it with pure Kotlin because that's also a thing we could just use Kotlin native and implement a UIB controller. So we, we started with that and obviously like we can now consume our backend and all the generics are there. But now we if we just look at, for example, like in a view controller, there's like a one view and if you go to this sub views, which is like a list of uh, UI view again, it will just be like translated to, oh, it's a list of anything. And this makes like them programming really hard. And for that point it was like, oh no, we, we really know we can't implement like an app using multi-platform at that point without losing generics. But then like, and I'm pretty, I, I think that's pretty cool. And then like after I wrote my first evaluation and why we, we would not use it, uh, a few months later, like Kevin Gulligan came along and he just like had this, um, he had this blog post, which was like called something like Kotlin multi-platform objective C generics. And alongside with it, he had a, a merge request, which just like, which would resolve our first deal breaker, which was like, yeah, now we can like, when we now write Swift uh, code consuming our, our backend, now we have this generics. And this was like, our first like, yeah, let's now, let's keep going. Let's try this again. And this was great, but still like for, 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 for folks or developers that want to might use the technology and say like, oh, I, I really don't want to use Swift. I want to use Kotlin all the way. It might still not be a, like a, the best uh, experience when you write then like a UI view controller, for example, because like there's no inline documentation for us so far so it is hard if you work with the apis on the platform to know what you're expected from the apis if like the generics are lost and you have no documentation so yes you can write now um you can consume your own backend like the shared code really cool um but if you want to stick with kotlin only right now this is not yet a thing that might be giving you this experience of yeah this is like fully type safe in a way and yeah. all all the generics are there. So that that was our first thing that was our first, uh, oh, no, we cannot use it right now, which was then heavily resolved by Kevin. And I think he is like a great guy. Yeah, and I think the merge request is already, I mean, the pull request was merged already, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's merged. It's like, yeah. you can do that now. And yeah. it's, it's working really great. And we are doing that. So it's like, that was really, really cool to see that something like this comes from the community. And so the, the second thing that I that you might want to keep in mind is like the memory model. And I I, I had like I was uh, on Saturday there I was on a in Stockholm having a talk also about like my my new evaluation of Kotlin multi-platform and why we are using it now, why we where we would not use it uh, and stuff like that. And I also talked obviously about the memory model and. I also like tried to get it like across that I really, really appreciate the ideas of the, the memory mode because it's it's really better to to see if something goes wrong. So 
I don't know if everyone listening knows the, the memory model of Kotlin Native, so I, I might just like... I think it's good, yeah, let's uh, just uh, yeah, explain I, it briefly if you can. And yeah, I, I, I try. So, like, the memory model from uh, like Kotlin Native is very different from how you would expect the memory model to behave when you're used to writing Kotlin on the JVM. So there's one, one key principle, which is like, okay, memory can either be mutable or it can be shared. So there won't be uh, an object where you can like pass on to multiple threads and everyone is trying to yeah mu mutate everything there and like you get this this chaos this is just not possible it's like either it's mutable or it's shared this is like the key principle and this is like a really good principle in my opinion and with a alongside with that you have like a mechanic which which call, is called freezing or like an object you can freeze an object at runtime to mark it immutable so if you have like a data class which has like some variable on it, you can just like call this dot freeze function. It can never, never, ever be unfrozen. And trying to mutate this variable later on will just give you like an exception, which tells you, oh, you're doing something like that's really, really bad. Like you told me, like the compiler or the runtime says, like you told me that you never want to mutate that again. And now you're trying to mutate that is like worth of an exception. So it throws that. And this is good because you will like you're forced to write code that is safe and you will get to know if it's not safe like from that perspective like the perspective of uh, kotlin native i think this is a great improvement to to the jm since i but i i think like in the context of multi platform this this could get like um at least like it's not always beneficial because the way that it behaves so different it is that you can write code and you run it on like your Android phone and the code is perfectly fine and running and, and everything looks fine, but it just crashes on, on iOS. And right now there are no warnings in the ID and also no compiler warnings for simple code snippets. So it, it can get tricky. And I think from the perspective of, of, of the multi-platform approach to Kotlin Native, and I, to be honest, I see like for, for us, like the only like the the Kotlin natives most value lies in the context of of multi-platform, and in there with a different memory model, you you have like these issues where the code just behaves different, which you could like work around. But there's also another issue coming along, which is like yes, now in your common sources you have, don't have like any, you cannot just build an abstraction like over multi like multi-threading. So. For app developers, where we just want to quickly maybe jump on some some oh thread pool, or if we want to jump some on, on on some on some background threading pool and just do some work there and get the result back, I think coroutines is for is by far the best like by far the best uh, abstraction for for threading. And I I also think like it's far better than RX, but I think we couldn't we can't cover this as well, but. It is a really good abstraction over all these things, and it gives you like really cool primitives like actors and and flow and whatever to to make like build really cool uh, asynchronous and and parallel stuff. But this like can't serve as a common abstraction for threading when you do like multi-platform code, common code. And I figured this might be like a a problem that people will will also see and maybe it will will have huge issues with. So. I think there there might be like we might even see changes in the in the memory model, and there are some some like there are a lot of discussions surrounding it, 
but for me like i'm really like i don't know what what the the best solution would be there because for, for on one side I, side i really really like the ideas to have like the safety even though it's just like just the, the runtime safety that just tells you it's a runtime that you did do something that could potentially be really bad but on the other hand i i would really like to write just like common code and it behaves absolutely absolutely the same whether or not i run it on ios or or android right yeah but i'm but at the same time i mean there's a third um i would say you know way of looking at this which is at the end of the day what it is saying is that you know you generally wouldn't want to do anyway even if you're targeting the JVM, right? Yeah, I I don't know if like there are some some examples that you can that you can find where where it looks like um, not not harmful at all. Like let's say you want to have okay, I, I can give you an example. Let's say we have a a very simple class, right? Like let's say we have a duration class, a C class duration that is like something a lot of people wrote already, and you have like. You let you say like a duration is implemented by minutes and seconds and whatsoever like some time units and on the duration class you 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 might want to have like a, a property called minutes which will just like whatever the current implementation is it will just convert it automatically to this minutes by by dividing by sixty or whatsoever and and this minutes property is, is just lazy because you thought yeah if I don't have to like yeah I can't obviously calculate it always. Uh, while the class is constructed because then it will calculate all this all these conversions and it will never stop but i i might also want not use to use like a, a regular getter if i i can just store with a with a lazy whatever this whatever the conversion was so you you will write like something like oh well minutes by lazy and then you say like oh yeah if this is currently minutes it, if it's already minutes just return myself right and otherwise do the conversion so this is like really, really harmful, like harmless looking code. But again, this runs perfectly fine on Android on the JVM, but this will give you like an invalid mutability exception where it says something like, oh, you cannot set something cyclic in the evaluation of lazy because as far as I know, the implementation of this lazy in Kotlin native, it, I, and I, I'm not 100% sure if that's correct, but I think I remember it like uh, it tries to freeze whatever the outcome of the lazy evaluation was. But if it's like this, like the same object, it can't freeze it while it's trying to evaluate its own lazy, you know? And then it will just give you this very reasonable exception. And the problem is not the, that the exception is thrown there, because in the context of Kotlin native alone, this makes a lot of sense. But in the context of multi-platform, you have like again very, very harmless looking code, which is just like behaving differently, you know? And that might be an issue. I hope I'm pronouncing the name correct, like Salomon Bryce. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean it's French. I mean Salomon Brice, I think it is. Okay. I, I can't pronounce it correctly, but but he wrote a really, really nice article called Why the Kotlin Native Memory Model Cannot Hold. And, and I, I really think he has some really good points on, on why, why he thinks it cannot hold. And I agree with, with, with him on, on that part. But he, all has also like, he also has some, some really cool idea, which like he also wrote a second blog post, which is not so well known. And it's called Designing a Kotlin Memory Safe Mode. And what he does there, like he, he just has, uh, has some some really cool ideas um, where he just says like, okay, we, we could maybe just like 
introduce a new keyword called const and and make like use of that. And then suddenly like we could also have like, in addition to this relax mode, maybe we could have like the relax mode plus this const keyword. And then we could have like almost the same kind of safety, but with two differences. And those are like really important to me. And the first one is like, now the compiler could give you at compile time, like, safety which it says like if you compile and it's not a const that you want to share it says like oh you cannot do that because there's some mutable data there uh, and it, this sharing expects this to be constant and the second thing is like the introduction to this to a keyword const there it would also be like possible to introduce that to the to the kotlin compiler for the jvm so we could also benefit from these new ideas uh, well i mean we've got the keyword const Already. Yeah, sure. Um, but there, like in his article, he has um, more like you could also pass it in as like the function parameter. Like yeah. you can say like the parameter of this function is like const uh, of that type, which means like, yeah, it's the type, but you're not allowed to mutate it anywhere. And you're not allowed to do something like you can also have like a const function X, Y, Z, which wouldn't be allowed to do anything impure. And you could have like an, an impurity check like uh, his article is is really cool uh, to read. I don't know if like if if this is something that is really doable, but it's like from the idea he has two differences, and the the difference would be the first thing that is like the compiler that complains, not the runtime, which would be cool. Um, and the second thing is that it would be more like more compatible to the JVM while also bringing benefits to what we write on the JVM. So if we could have like a solution like that. Maybe that would be a way. Like, I don't know if this relax mode is a good thing though, because I, like I said, and I, I I'm criticizing like for once I, I'm criticizing the, the the strict mode because I think like yeah it, it just does something different on on the native targets than it does on on the JVM and on Android. But on the other hand, I really really like the idea because it's just like telling me that I'm doing something that might be stupid. Um, but the like the relaxed model would would help in one way, but I'm pretty sure that this will also be the death to the to the strict mode. Because who would use the strict mode then, right? And how would you do then like libraries? Because if a library uses then the relax mode, how can this be then compatible to the strict mode again? Yeah, it opens so up would... a complete can of worms, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I'm I'm a little bit afraid there because I, I I don't know if this is coming. I just know that people are experimenting with it. And this is like, you can see some commits uh, in Kotlin Native that are playing around with that. Well, I mean, and I think one of the greatest things that we've done is this whole experimental thing, right? It's like, you know, use it, let's try it, let's see if it works. I mean, we, it's it's not, we, we have improved and we have reiterated and we have, uh, sorry, iterated and we, we've made changes in the past and, and always trying not to, you know, break compatibility, but I think... You know, because it's yeah. difficult to kind of say, okay, well, we should do it, we shouldn't do it. Yeah, absolutely. No one can see what 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 happens in a sense. Yeah, that's and I, I really really like that approach. Like, no one can tell whether or not this relax mode will be a good thing or it will just be a really bad thing. But you could, you could just at least try that. It's and like that class delegates; be... they seem like a great idea. How often do yeah. you use them? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like the first, like when I started with Kotlin and I saw this class delegates and like um, implementation by by delegation, I, I went totally crazy. And I, I saw like, I tried to like 
model like a lot of things by by doing this and i was so happy with it and i was so happy with the code i wrote and it it's just like i i had to remove almost everything of it because it just like didn't work out that great because i at the end had no idea what was called when and where stuff was lying around it was just like i i had like also like i it was really hard to see that this might not always be the, the right thing to do yeah. Plus, I mean, I think, you know, from one side, it was trying to remove uh, boilerplate code. Yeah. Um, from the other side, it was adding, in a sense, boilerplate code because you, you had to, you know, every time you would delegate to a class, you had to repeat that class uh, to, to repeat the, the the name in the in the constructor arguments. And it was just kind of like, you know, how <laughs> much is this actually helping versus, as you say, diminishing discoverability? Um, yeah, but absolutely. Different topic. But it, yeah, different but it is topic. hard to see, see stuff like that when or not it works out. For example, property delegates. I would say like this is amazingly right. cool that we have lazy as a as as a feature in our standard library versus like it it doesn't have to be a, a feature in in the language itself. And that is that is amazing because that also means if I don't like the implementation of lazy, like we also discussed like. Oh, I might not like the implementation of Kotlin Native's lazy because it behaves differently. So I'm free to just provide my own lazy implementation. And this is absolutely cool because then criticism like this is like, oh, yeah, you don't like this for very good reason in your project. Maybe that doesn't work. Then you can just implement your own. And that is cool. And that I think is like the right way to go for, for, for Kotlin. So... And, and to summarize, because we are, I was going to actually touch on a little bit uh, Keep 87, but I think as a topic that we need to, I mean, I've spoken to the authors of this multiple times, uh, but I, I really wanted to chat with people that are not directly uh, related to it. Uh, yeah. But seeing the time, I think we're going to have to do this on another show. Um, it would be great to have <laughs> you come back and yeah, I, seriously, yeah. because I, I read your blog post. I thought it was good. Uh, and I think that you know it would be a good topic to cover, but I but I want to postpone it to another show where we can dive more in depth. Uh, but wrapping up uh, the multi-platform stuff, like what are your main you know opinion about it now, having worked with it extensively? I mean, I'm assuming that you continue to move forward with it and you continue to believe in it. And uh, any kind of uh, tips for people getting started on it? Yeah. Um, so I, I also, I, of course, I, I really, really believe in that technology, and I think it's it's great. But I think it's not production ready for everyone. And I would say, like, for if if people want to get started, it might make sense to start in a in a very small like environment. Like I said, for example, like start with writing tests and start with single modules because, like, for example, we had huge problems with uh, the idea resolving types, for example, when we have like a lot of modules and a lot of Android that is involved. And we also had like to use like a lot of um, early access previous software. Like we, all, we had to resolve uh, issues by jumping, for example, on 1.360, the early access preview a long time like ago. And we also had to jump on like, I think the we had to uh, for a long time use the the Android Studio 3.6 Beta 1 to get issues resolved. And if that's not a problem, you can can use it for, for a lot of things. But um, I would just recommend like not um, not jumping all, all in at that point. And like, for example, like, there will be, there might be like 
projects where this can really work out. Like we, you've had, you also had like a chat where where it was about this um, about these games, like these educational games, and they did a lot of drawing on canvas and stuff like this. Might be the very like this is a perfect like a perfect use case for multi-platform. So there are use cases. And I think it makes a lot of sense that people start using it. Sure. I, I mean, there is, you know, it is early access. Uh, you know, it is still experimental. It's still not yeah, ready for, for, for production. But at yeah. the same time, I think it would be fair to say that there are already companies that not only are shipping multi-platform projects, um, but there are some that already have it in production as well. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. You so know, it it, it really very much depends on on where you lie on the spectrum, right? How much you absolutely. are willing to, you know, work with the uh, little nuances that the that the tooling or whatever may have at, at this point as well. Absolutely. So, I would say if if one is comfortable with like working with Gradle a lot or like um, resolving like minor issues and all like all the issues we had you can resolve them in some way or another. And like also the support on the Kotlin Slack is amazing. So I also, I like, like we said, I, I talked a, a lot with Lilia uh, about with Lilia about this uh, and, and she supported us amazingly well. So the support is great and the, the community is, is there. You can just ask questions on the Kotlin Slack and get started. But I would not expect it to be the, the best use case right now for every single problem. So this would be like something that you need to keep in mind. But also to keep in mind our commitment to it. Uh, you know, we are soon going to be announcing a new product, which is completely through and through Kotlin, multi-platform, not only on mobile, but also on JavaScript and of course JVM. And, you know, so it is, we have a lot of skin in the game, right? This isn't yeah. just, a, okay, well, let's try this. And if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. I also think so. Like it's, this will be like a thing that that stays, and this will get better and better. And like from the from one three ten when we started to one three sixty, what we will have now, it got like there were so many things that got better and better and better and easier and easier. Like for example, the Kotlin DSL and things are improving a lot, and they are improving fast. So I would like if I would if I would now think about whether or not to adopt it, I would like wait for Kotlin come, wait what they announce. And I'm pretty sure there are some pretty cool things that we that we see there. And I would start then. Yep, let's hope so. Cool. Yep. Well, it was great having you on the show. Thank you for coming. Right. And we will definitely sync up to come back and discuss Keep 87. So keep that in mind. Oh, <laughs> I'll keep that I'll in quit. mind, yeah. I'm quitting. Perfect. <laughs> great chatting with you.